0: I think I'll never get over it and I'll never get over that first time when you see your set made and built and like it's just the model box, but big. <laughs> and like, it's real, it's a real life size. <laughs> um, it still fascinates me. Um, and I'm just always bowled over by the people that make it happen.
1: Hello, I'm Poonam and welcome to Crew Chats podcast, where I speak to people that work behind the scenes in film, TV, and theatre. Today's guest is Natalie Price. Natalie, after having a childhood love of theatre, went on to study theatre design at Wimbledon College of Art. While studying and on graduating, Natalie worked at the New Wimbledon Theatre and then went on to work as a dresser at the ENO. It was after working at the National Theatre that Natalie began producing her own work and began working as a freelance set and costume designer for theatre and dance. Natalie has costume designed Anna X at the Harold Pinter Theatre and most recently A Number at the Old Vic, Old Bridge at the Bush Theatre, set and costume designed Red Velvet for Rada and Me for the World at the Young Vic to name a few. Just a note we speak about Covid and the situation we referred to was at the time of the recording. Hi Natalie. Hi poo Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And you're a set and costume designer for theatre. And what does that involve for you? So that involves working very closely
0: with the director and creating their vision for the play or dance piece also. And it is just working with the text as well, breaking down the scenes, um, if it's a period piece, getting the right furniture the right set dressing right props and just get creating that space really and the environment
1: that the actors inhabit and the costumes that they wear <laughs> um just actually out of curiosity because i although it seems obvious i guess when you're in it um why is it often that um, people that working that designers working in theater end up doing the set and the costume rather than having set them as separate um entities
0: well actually as you say that um There were options, well, I went to Wimbledon College of Art um, and studied theatre design for performance, Um, but there was actually a separate costume design course. Mm -hmm. And there actually is now a kind of a re-emergence, I guess, of designers just wanting to do costume or who are just costume designers. I think in America, they have a lot of productions where they have a separate set designer and a separate costume designer. And I have done that in the past. Um, I recently costume designed Ragtime Um, at Arts Ed and I was the costume designer working with a set designer and so it it does happen but I think a lot of the time it is maybe just a bit easier to have one designer do both and also unless you work very closely with the set designer which I make sure to do when I've just been the costume designer you are just creating that whole world as I just said like the everything that embodies and is on that stage um, including the actors and what they wear so it's all kind of from one place and one entity, as it were. So it kind of just makes sense to design for everything. I think, in a way.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I guess, like you say, it's um, you're it, you kind of have that whole environment, which I think then there's like a maybe a fluidity to the whole thing. Exactly. Like, yeah. And how do you start when you get um, come onto a project?
0: I start by making mood boards, really. Or like Pinterest is my best friend. Um, so I read the script. And I try not to, it's quite hard because you're in the habit from previous work of already imagining it in your head. And I think you probably can do so to a certain extent, but I also still just try to be in the text and in the characters and the dialogue and you know everything of the play as I'm reading it the first time. And then the second time you can go through and you do like a scene breakdown and what have you, list of props and costume changes all of that kind of thing um and but then I just kind of try and get loads of images together um, again if it's period piece the right look for again I keep saying furniture <laughs> it doesn't always necessarily have to be inside but the furniture and the colors and maybe the material used, use the fabric um it's just all kind of gathering a visual encyclopedia that's not really quite the word though but just like kind of a huge vision board, let's say, that I could just pick from and hone down and send to the director and then we kind of pick up on images that are particularly inspiring and that will then take us through that design development process.
1: And just in that process, what inspires you and what influences you? And you may not actually be work, necessarily work related, but generally speaking, like what excites you and influences you when you're looking, creating those mood boards or just generally in between jobs or. I think, well, pre pandemic, I would love to go to exhibitions. That was a really
0: huge thing for me. And just being in that gallery space and seeing the work and the colours and the textures. And I just think it would be really... It is almost a bit theatrical. Like Some of the huge paintings could be like a backdrop or a piece of scenery. And I think it's really lovely when you can just find things that inspire you in that way and spark something in your design process and practice to fuel your ideas and kind of how you are as a designer. Um, I've had to really learn a, a different way of working and adopt a different way of working at the moment because it's everything is so virtual um normally i'd be with the director and we'd be sat together talking and we'd have the model in front of us or have my sketches or have you and you know this time it's completely different because we can't do that so there's been a lot of emails and mood boards made up on pdf documents <laughs> having to write lots of notes and it's just, it's been brilliant. I think it took me a little while to get stuck into it, but actually it's made me think, okay, well, this is what the director needs in this moment for this production and for me to be very clear and it's, but and that's fine. You know, that's just teaching me and I, I think you're always learning and growing as a designer and it's just something else that I can now call upon in my arsenal, I guess, to do and to
1: to work in in that way you address you just you spoke about COVID and actually for the I know for the theatre industries particularly how has it impacted you and at at the beginning
0: I think other designer friends and myself we just thought oh you know it's just going to be like six weeks it'd be fine but then it was like when the theatres closed and you know the big theatres I mean like the national and west end theatres and it was just like oh this feels really strange and I was part of um well I am part of the Scene Change, um a design collective group who of designers and theatre practitioners who have come together and just to support each other really and be there and talk about issues that we're facing through the pandemic, but also issues that have been there in the industry before and that we've realized we've never actually had the chance to talk to each other because working as a designer is quite solitary whether it be you're in your studio or you're out kind of costume buying unless you work with a costume supervisor who's basically your right hand and is with you in the fittings and buying and you know helps with all of the costume side of the, the play and production but really you're as a designer you're you're on your own i mean even the director they often have an assistant director you can have an associate designer but that's when you're doing a, maybe a really big show and mm. you have the budget <laughs> but yeah normally and especially at my level um you're on your own so with scene change I found a real community um that's actually become very special to me because we have been quite open and realized how much we go through that's so similar to one another and you know if people at my level even people at the level of designing for the West End and who have been in their careers for 20 years plus and it's just amazing that there's no kind of barriers really and um, we're all just this group of wonderful people and designers and um, have all of this common ground it, it's wonderful so I think that was a wonderful thing to come out of it but yeah it was tough those first few months when I just didn't know what was happening my shows were cancelled that I was due to be working on and I wasn't hearing from my producers and it was all a bit scary and then I started work in uh, short films and kind of picking up with that and I did a mentorship with Talking Point Film um, as a set decorator and I have a fantastic mentor yeah so then things started to happen towards the end of the second lockdown. I can't even remember
1: what, oh, God, same. what well, I don't I can't happened. keep track.
0: Yeah, I just don't remember anymore. Um kind of summer through to September, October, and then I got the Arts Ed job and then <laughs> I was very, very lucky as well, basically.
1: Yeah. I think it's been such a mixed bag for people. And but I think it's great that you said that things, positive things have come out this the pandemic, I guess, which otherwise may not have that in terms of that kind of that idea of community that you mentioned, I think when you think of the, when I think of theatre, at least, I do think of it very like a, a working together. There are, like you said, there are solitary mm. elements of it, but there, there is a point, I imagine, where things do sort of come together. And is that what you enjoy about the work working in theatre? And What are the things you enjoy about the, the job that you do? Oh, my goodness. I love working with other people. I love being collaborative. I
0: love working in a team. I mean, even just the other day, we uh, the director and I, we had a visit to RADA. Um, The drama school where I'm designing um, a show for currently, and just talking with the head of construction about my set and the possibilities and how we're going to build it. And it was just amazing already having those conversations and making my little model box and (laughs) sketches real. (laughs) It was amazing. It's just, I'll never, I, I think I'll never get over it. And I'll never get over that first time when you see your set made and built. And like it's just the model box, but big. And <laughs> <laughs> like it's real, it's a real life size. <laughs> um, it still fascinates me. Um, and I'm just always bowled over by the people that make it happen because you know I'm just one designer, but there are people building it and painting it and amazing things are happening behind the scenes. Which we, which we definitely couldn't do without in this industry either. So I, I love that side. And I, I love watching theatre also. I mean, I'm, I realised I'd go to the theatre at least once a week and it wasn't even planned like that. It just started when I was just booking shows. It was just, it would fall once a week, maybe even twice a week. Oh. So talk about busman's Holiday, but I loved it. And that is what I miss. And it's the whole experience. I mean, seeing when the National was open, I think in whenever we were allowed to and but there were the restrictions on being in there and where we sat and how we moved around in the building even though it was fantastic that we could be there and see work brilliant play Delroy at the National a lot of the experience that I love about theatre was taken away from that I mean you couldn't kind of go and say hi to friends that you see that you haven't seen for ages I mean given that we haven't seen each other for ages anyway but you would just be like oh my gosh like how are you and you naturally want to hug like we would all do yeah but this is something about being in the theatre and you'd want to talk about it afterwards and you know have that it's that whole experience of as you arrive and watching it and then the part afterwards or at the interval
1: yeah I, can, I know what you mean because like, I was just as you're saying I kind of just thought about um when you're in the theatre and there's however many people there with you you're all experiencing the same thing but you're all having your very own reaction to what you're seeing, and actually there is something really magical about that which you don't necessarily get with tv and film or exactly I mean you have
0: obviously an incredible experience from a fantastic series or film Mm -hmm. but it's just something about that atmosphere and watching something live right in front of you and I know for actors um because I've got quite a few good friends who are actors and just having been around them for many years they really love to do film and theatre, TV and theatre because, you know, they just, they're both so, such different experiences and working in a company in that way, it's, it's very fulfilling and you develop such a strong bond. When, when I see a great company work together, I mean, it's, it's really so special. They really make friends for life and family actually. Um, and it's very different with filming. Particularly now with with COVID, but mm-hmm. I've just finished on a film um, called My Name Is Leon that's going to be on the, the BBC, and it's a fantastic film. It was a made adapted from a book by Kit Doyle, and it was it's a beautiful story. But it's very interesting seeing how how the world is of film and TV, and you know the actors performers, the actors, <laughs> the actors are like kind of in their trailers and they come on set and of course with Covid it's even more separate and you know not too many people around but they'd be yeah, sitting in their trailers waiting to do their scene and then they'd go and change and then come back and it was it's quite um it's not really a together process really it's very individual but then you can also see how wonderful it is You'll. Working with each other 12 hours a day. I mean, we just did five weeks, which I know is, is no time. I mean, I think you work for a minimum like three months, maybe on something, and you can really see how you become a family. In normal times, when you can have dinners together and you know have drinks after a, after Friday night, you know after work, <laughs> that really all makes it such an experience. And I think sadly, it, we missed out on that part of it with COVID. But I can see how that's also so special. So, I think yeah, there are a wonderful elements to to both theatre and film and TV. Being in a company and being part of it.
1: But would I say you're drawn to theatre though? By the sounds of it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is my that is where my
0: heart lies. And I mean i I would love to work in film and TV more. But I just I love that. And maybe it's because I've been very fortunate that I'm working in industry that I studied at uni and it's just it maybe slightly unheard of that I've managed to to get to where I am and uh, yeah I, I just love it and again if I still remember the first shows that I saw and, and when I was younger and just being blown away and it's really um yeah it's, it's really something special I think when you, you see a great piece of theatre and or you've helped make a great piece of theatre and you're incredibly proud um, I think there's
1: nothing really really like it. No, I have to agree with you there. Seeing your work is um, is oh kind God. of feeling you don't really... I
0: think the audience's reaction to it as well and hearing their feedback and it's just... Yeah, it can really just blow you away sometimes. It's left me speechless sometimes, actually. That's
1: yeah. amazing. That's lovely, mm-hmm. though. That leads nicely on to my next question, which is how did you get into what you do? I know you mentioned that you grew up... You, you saw watching your first pieces of theatre, but how oh. did it all start for you? So
0: I... Um, Yeah, so I went to Wimbledon College of Art and did a a BA degree, um, so that was for three years and then after that I, well alongside that I was actually working at the new Wimbledon (laughs) Theatre, loved it, Uh, that got me through uni, Um, pantos every Christmas were just insane, (laughs) (laughs) so busy. Um, no, it was, I mean, it was a great experience. It's a beautiful, beautiful theatre. Oh, my goodness. It is, um, and actually we graduated there. Our graduation ceremony it was there. Oh. So it was lovely. Yeah, it was really lovely. But I was there for a long time, I think maybe six years or so. And I realised that I needed to be backstage, really. That's where I could, because it's um, it's a receiving house. So they get tours come in so they have shows for kind of like Tuesday to Saturday and they will for like a week and then they go on to the next venue it's normally oh. like, yeah I know so it's like kind of like Wimbledon, Richmond, uh, like Woking like does that kind of circuit and um, we'd often get like, Matthew Bourne productions who I love oh my goodness I love Matthew Bourne and I really wanted to like be backstage and shadow a dresser I guess that would what what it would have been um but by that point I was one of the more experienced members of staff on on the bar (laughs) and um so therefore my manager wouldn't be they couldn't afford to lose me for that week um because that's our busiest times for the shows and panto and such so um I had to leave which was very sad but it was it was the right time and I went on to work at the London Coliseum um, English National Opera and I was dressing there in the gents chorus first of all and ladies chorus and it was amazing and I just found a love for opera and the immense talent that these singers have and just can do it's crazy when they would have the orchestra come in oh my goodness, it was just so, it just really got you. They're stunning. Mm. And um, yeah, I'll never forget some of my, my favorite and just being in the wings, listening to that. I thought, how lucky am I that I just get to stand here and listen to this, to this. magic. So yeah, I was there for a little while and then I um, got my job dressing at the National Theatre and I was there for seven years. And then through there, I kind of met some producers and kind of I started to do bits and pieces of work. I was also a young producer at the Battersea Arts Centre, that was kind of my local place for a while when I was still at uni, so just meeting people there and it was was such a phenomenal building and the work that they make, I was very lucky to have been part of that for a little while actually and yeah I think it was just great to be in the environments and I think my very first kind of working during the day at the national shows are in the evening so you'd be there but when you're in a technical rehearsal, which is when all the elements um, of the piece come together and you kind of have two to three days solid working um, all the hours, uh, you work through the play and you block the scenes, you get the lighting in the right position and you make sure the costumes work and any set changes that have to, to happen, you go through all of that and work it all out and everyone involved is in the auditorium, working, and it's all coming together. (laughs) Like the big three days before you have a first show to the public. And being there for the first time in in the day was mad because we see the National have three theatres and there's always a company rehearsing or there's a company in tech, or there's a company doing shows. And if they're maybe in for a matinee, Everyone is in the canteen at the same (laughs) time. And my head was just spinning because you can imagine the kind of people that work at the national. I mean, all these incredible creatives and actors. And I was just like, ah, who do I talk to? It was just like, it was, yeah, I'll never forget that feeling actually. It's actually quite overwhelming. (laughs) All under one roof and just this building in London. But it was it was brilliant, and um, I just kind of started talking to designers and asking them like for coffee if they would like be happy to give me advice about how to get into the industry. And so I just thought I I mean it was looking back at how I was that brave. I was going <laughs> to so it, it sounds really scary. <laughs> I'd <be> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what was I doing? But I just think I would, I just used to tell myself, and it's actually funny because I was such a shy child, but I just used to tell myself. I think I'll regret it more if they just leave now and I'll never get the chance again than just to sacrifice that maybe one moment of awkwardness and you know at the end of the day they've all had to start where I did and you know they've all been students and newly graduated and just coming up so they'll always understand and they'll appreciate it if you I mean I do now if someone you know
1: says that they admire your work and mm. what you do and can you give them a bit of advice you
0: know it's a compliment at the end of the day. Isn't yeah it? it is no you're right it is.
1: So um, yeah that's, that's it really. <laughs> <laughs> no that is pretty cool and actually now when you're when you're designing you've mm. designed in various kinds of space obviously you do work in the theatre in actual like I guess what we would think of as traditional theatre spaces but you've also done festivals and outdoor theatre as well how what, what are the challenges of changing space and how do you, do you have to adjust the kind of way you work and where you think when you're doing working in those different spaces and give, being given those different briefs?
0: Yeah I mean it's very interesting and I've been so blessed with uh, the variety of work that I've, I've had. Yeah there is often a lot to think about I mean with traditional theatre space it's quite straightforward and I think once you've been in, in a couple you, you can kind of manage and and um, for, your, for your way around easily enough but outdoor theatre that that was a challenge and I, I did my first one was The Tide and it was a production with Talo a theatre company and which, who are incredible and that was actually also a tour um, with the Greenwich and Docklands International Festival and we started in Brighton and it toured I think to also like Norfolk and then it came to like the Canary Wharf um, around that area yeah it, it was amazing but it was just kind of thinking about are they going to be warm enough and we're by the sea in Brighton so what's the wind going to do and even like with the set we had ideas of like kind of papers flying out there they can't go in the sea and it's like (laughs) environmental and it was just all these factors that you had to think about because I presented the model and we had I think the organisers for each venue or festival venue come along and they also watched a bit of a a run-through of the piece as well and they just were throwing all these questions at me and I was like oh my goodness I'm sorry I didn't think about that but I haven't designed for outdoor theatre before so this is such a new experience for me and a huge learning curve and it was great to have them at that stage of the design process because it really made me think and like look at how i was designing and like what it needed to achieve and these whole other elements that i had to include um not just for it to look good or for the actors to be able to move in their costumes comfortably it was also the area I was now in, I had to think about that and the impact it would have on on the surroundings. So that was very interesting. And I did a piece called 846 Live last September. Again, we had mentioned Docklands International Festival. And um, the main thing about that was we were in a basketball court, but it was kind of surrounded by like high rise flats. So it was a bit of like a wind tunnel. <laughs> I thought, okay, so we've got several shows over the day I mean, it was like, half an hour long or so maybe an hour I can't, yeah, maybe an hour long and we had kind of about four performances over one day so we're going from kind of a nice kind of mid-morning show when the sun's out maybe to the afternoon where it's still quite nice but then we've got like a six o'clock show where the, the sun will be kind of going in and it'll be a lot cooler so how am I going to keep my actors warm and what do I do and yeah, they still have to look like good in their costume and not like the mission <laughs> man and lots of players
1: underneath that just go,
0: you know also how do I look after them in that way so yeah there was just lots of communication I think with them and what they would want and what they'd be comfortable in and I think the director he was great kind of just let me get on with it in a way um because we also had such little time and it was again under the um pandemic covid rules ah a lot of the rehearsals were over Zoom, and they were only in a room for about two days. So before doing the show, so it was mental. <laughs> um, we had like two weeks to get this whole show together. So, wow. it, yeah, and thankfully it, it went very well. I'm very
1: proud of everyone. But yeah, we just had to kind of really get stuck in. Yeah, <laughs> sounds really cool though. Especially yeah. the, the, I guess weather's a massive thing, isn't it? Like you mentioned. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't rain, please don't rain. <laughs> but
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> um, from when you, I guess, when you when you sort of first decided that you wanted to be involved in the theatre, how different is your job to what you imagined it being? Oh my goodness, yeah, quite different. I
0: think luckily I'm a people person and I can kind of just get thrown in. And like, for example, when I worked on My Name Is Leon, I, I only knew the director I didn't know anyone else on the team. And you kind of have to adapt and just get to know people and get along and work well together because, you know, as I said, you're with each other 12 hours a day, five days a week. <laughs> so it you gotta do it. And I think a lot of my course time of my course was spent, I mean, which was very lovely, but in a studio in our studios, making model boxes and working on our sketchbooks, and that was great, but that just isn't the real industry? Yeah, um, I mean, you can people can sometimes barely afford a studio space, let alone be just working in it all day. So I think I had to get my head around that very quickly. And unfortunately, a lot of my brilliantly talented friends on my course. Are no longer in theatre because we very quickly realised it wasn't just that, <laughs> there was a lot more to it, and probably particularly the money, not working for very much at the beginning, and you'd have to do that for quite some time. So, hence, I was working in theatre alongside kind of trying to get my career going started. So, but I think definitely 100% working at the National benefited me hugely because without me realising it, it gave me that capacity and ability to communicate with actors be comfortable around actors and l- little did i know helping me for fittings later down the line because really costume is such an important part of a production and if an actor doesn't feel comfortable or happy in it then they can't do their job properly so i have to do my job properly so they can do theirs and something that's paramount for me is their happiness and their comfort and I'm adamant (laughs) in fittings and I say from the very beginning are you comfortable can you move in this is that okay does that feel too tight does that scratch you know anything I'm like no matter how small it is please tell me because it's no trouble for me just to go and exchange it or take it back or find something else this is my job so that's fine Mm -hmm. I did a I caution designed a show a dance piece um, with Zoo Nation um, called Tales of the Turntable and that was at the South Bank Centre and a fantastic production but it was absolutely mental there were five different areas we went from 1940s through to present day <laughs> so I did it it was 1940s 1970s 1980s 90s and present day yeah And I mean, this is a full company of young people who are extremely talented at dance. And I would say in the fittings, I mean, just do your most outrageous dance move piece of choreography, because I need to know if these trials are going to (laughs) split. I got these flares from Beyond Retro, I need to know. (laughs) So I just um, was very, very much like straight away like this looks great on you and I love it you're totally 70s but can you do this (laughs) backflip so uh, it is a very good part of the job but I I enjoy it and I think some designers find fittings a bit difficult because sometimes actors can be a little bit difficult but it comes to a place of nerves or insecurities from other areas of the piece especially when you're getting close to opening mm. so I think it's just trying to put them at ease and know that they're in good hands like reassure them that they're in good hands and um, it, it's so important and also the length of time it takes to to get to a good place where maybe you're recognized enough and producers and you know theatres are aware of you directors are aware of you it, it takes a little bit of time and you do have to put in the work in those first few years or so but it's definitely worth it I mean for the ups and downs I mean with any job especially a job that's creative and involves this level of dedication you've just got to put the time in haven't you but I think it
1: really does start to pay off <laughs> hope it does. I'm <laughs> it, sure, no, it does I'm sure it does yeah for no, sure
0: yeah, no, it's been great
1: <laughs> oh um and in terms of actually with your experience in theatre what do you think what would you like to see change Um, I would definitely
0: like to see more people of colour backstage. Um, I mean, it's amazing that we have so many incredible actors now who are Black, Asian. It's brilliant, but also backstage, it it would be great. I mean, it's not even about... I can't even think, you know, when I was younger, the fact that I didn't see anyone like me on the stage or in a period drama. That was probably crazy enough, and I'm so aware of it now, but... Obviously, I, I didn't know much about behind the scenes part. I was just enjoying what was on the stage in front of me. But, you know, I'm so aware now when I, when I go into a building and I'm just really hoping that there are more people of colour kind of in the offices or involved in the workings of a the theatre and kind of in the lighting department or sound or, you know, all those other areas that make a production work and happen that would be wonderful because I think we tell these stories and it, you know, we live in such a diverse world, especially here in London, which I know that's not the kind of center of everything, but a lot happens here Mm, and a lot comes out and, you know, there are so many stories that can be told and they're probably being written now that it just would be wonderful to have that all round encompassing reflection of what we're saying to, you know, it being real.
1: Yeah. (laughs) No no it makes complete sense I completely agree I think um, Mm -hmm. and I agree that having people but working behind the scenes would be fabulous because it just brings in different stories like you say.
0: Exactly and I think just for young people who maybe just like to draw at school at the moment and don't know that you know they can maybe then go into doing lighting or like you know writing or you know, or anything created to do with, or they can go to the theatre at all, mm-hmm. um, become a costume designer or, you know, a set decorator or that's film. But even so, it's still with that, it's across the board, film and TV also, um, or a scenic artist, you know, just to know that those doors are open for them, I think is just so important to, to put forward and to ensure is something that's in place, I think now
1: f- till, forever. till forever yeah definitely agree yeah. with you there <laughs> what is your ideal thing to work on if you if anyone was going to give you if it was like you pick your project what would it be oh my goodness
0: I think something it would have to be if I could like blue sky it would be a huge theatre space would it be huge maybe I think because I just love like also epic sets and um ones that move and the scenery that moves and you're, you're really transported I, I love being transported as an audience member and I really hope that I can do that as a designer for other audience members and I think I think yeah just something that's a real challenge and goes over time and over families and there's just like yeah just a real story to tell um I'm not sure I couldn't tell you which theatre venue but I mean because they're probably like a million <laughs> but I, <laughs> something that's um just a great space that I've seen great work in I think the that's always my top and maybe kind of like kind of I mean this is the Olivier but <laughs> the, like the horseshoe I like that the audience kind of it's almost in the round I mean at the moment actually it is in the round but pre-pandemic it was more the horseshoe shape and I just think it's so it's just such a feast for the eyes and I think I've, I really love that and would like to just yeah, if I had all the money, all the budget, <laughs> something <laughs> quite epic, and probably something quite be a period piece as well. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. Just actually in regards to what you mentioned about the shape of the, the I mean, it kind of links to the question the question asked earlier about the outdoor space as well. But the, with the shape of the theatre and how, where the audience are sitting, whether it's more interactive than people are necessarily sitting down, how how does that change how you then design the set? Um, costume maybe less so but the the set more specifically
0: I think the first thing is like sight lines so I do love theatre in the round it's wonderful but it's also very tricky because Mm -hmm. you can't say just have a table at the edge of the space because someone is always going to be in someone's eye line or blocking something unfortunately so you have to be but then again it's a real brilliant challenge to design for that because you have to think Outside the box and think about the floor or what can be flown in to a certain like level if it can be flown in. So that's always really interesting. But yeah, I think I, I really like the idea of the audience being in like involved. I think even with the size of the Olivier, it doesn't mean that the the show can't be intimate or the audience can't feel like they're really involved. I think it's just really important for me to yeah have the audience feel part of it because it is it's escapism and I want to be fully immersed in this piece of theatre for the two hours I'm there and Mm. I want that for when I create work as well just for the audience to be not thinking of anything else that they're involved with these characters involved with this story and the more that you can use the set to do that again it's, it's being transported I think I can't think of a better word at the moment but yeah the more you can use the set and the design to do that I think the better. I agree
1: with you as a, as a viewer I think you're right it's, the, it's one of the first things you sort of see isn't it when you well for me when I go to the theatre it's the kind of thing that captivates you I remember when I was younger that was the first, I was like fascinated by it. Yeah definitely. Okay so now that brings me on to my final question which is what are your three favourite to watch recommendations?
0: Yeah so my Three really favourite to watch would be firstly um, War Horse, that was in the Olivier at <laughs> the National, and then later at the New London in the West End. It was just such a beautiful, beautiful piece. I still remember when I stepped foot into the Olivier, and I went with two of my best friends who I was at uni with actually. It, yeah, just blew me away. I think, and just still to this day, seeing that the puppetry and that baby joey i don't know if you've seen it i'm talking about like i have
1: seen it i yeah. saw it at the troubadour fifth i think when it was going on tour um,
0: yes yes fantastic mm.
1: but so you probably understand like the moment you see that
0: baby joey and you're mm. just like literally like my jaw dropped it was incredible and the skill the level of skill those puppeteers have and the actors to work with them like the performers who are working with the horses it's just it's just phenomenal and um yeah it was just something that was so special and something i'd never seen before really or seen that theatre could be like that before it was amazing and i know it definitely changed theatre and theatre making 100 percent. yeah a very important moment i think when that show that show started and my second would be bridgerton <laughs> Love it. Need <laughs> um, to it. Actually, it's only that, and there's enough time that's passed
1: now.
0: <laughs> on it again. Um, for the second series. Uh, just absolutely stunning. I mean, I love it so much. Just not even for the fact that there are so many wonderful performers of colour who often steal the screen. I think some moments, it's just beautifully written and it looks beautiful i love the kind of contemporary twist as it were with the period costume so the fabric used and the colors and also the colors that kind of represent each family and like their, their personalities and it's just it's just wonderful and it's just so brilliant and a lovely like lovely that there are brilliantly talented young people kind of heading up the, the cast as well um, and kind of really at the forefront of it and this like new talent who are just amazing and smashing it in every episode. Yeah, brilliantly cast actually. And everyone you can see just works so well together and has great chemistry. Yeah, coming for season
1: two. But I, I'm I'm there with you on Bridget and I enjoyed that too. <laughs> what, what was your third recommendation? My third recommendation is A hundred
0: years of solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Um, which is a really beautiful book and I think it probably comes back to my love of kind of epic storytelling and across generations and I just love when things link together and you know it's a story that's re-emerged from three generations ago or something or it's an action made there and has an impact on the grandchildren I don't know I, I just love it he's writing is so beautiful and it really sweeps you up and invites you in and you're just immersed again and captivated by these characters and and this story you just want to keep reading and following it and following them yeah just the the locations your your imagination is just taken to some really incredible and beautiful places it's it's a wonderful book and i highly recommend it
1: (laughs) i agree with you um i've actually all three of your recommendations a great mix and i've seen (laughs) slash read all of them which is really nice (laughs) thank you for your recommendations natalie and thank you for coming on the podcast it's been really really interesting speaking to you oh Um, thank you so much for having me and i've really enjoyed it thank you thank you Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Natalie. And if you get a moment, could you please like, follow or subscribe on your podcast platform and follow the Crew Chats podcast on Instagram. Thank you.